Welcome to the Backwoods. My playground is out in the woods. Back in the sticks, this is my hood. Waking up early with nature's hand in my house. I don't enjoy this for me. Finger on the trigger just to seal the deal. Feel the chill. Shoot to kill. It's the thrill. It's the skill. It's the rush. It's the dust. Living the Backwoods life. What's up, y'all? Backwoods Life Podcast number whatever we're on. Uh, I have no idea anymore. I quit keeping up with it. Uh, it's probably not as many as I think, like five. But anyway, we're here. It is March 14th, 2018, Michael Lee. And as always, through the glorious waves of the internet and technology, my buddy, Kevin Knighton, down in Florida. Down here in the sunshine state. So, I uh, sitting here with my turkey gun in front of me, ready for this weekend. Yeah, it kicks off in Florida uh, Saturday the 17th. Kevin and I both will hopefully be pretty close to some goblin birds at daylight. According to my coverts, mine are uh, stopping by about every three days right now. I just hope one of those three days is on Saturday. I heard that. Um you got to just pattern them right, Kevin. I mean, if it's on day three, you only go hunting on day three. Well, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go and see if maybe they switch things up a bit. You, you know, it is possible to influence their decision. Yeah, they, uh, they may be just across the property line. I can talk sweet to them and make them come over there and visit. Yeah, that's it. Um, your your uh, audio is a little bit sketchy, Kevin. What you mean, sketchy? It's like staticky a little bit. Let me see if I can fix it. I think you should, because our listeners need quality audio experiences. Because they could be riding down the road. They could be sitting in their office. And we don't want staticky stuff. See if this is a better audio experience. That does sound a little bit better on my end, anyway. Hopefully everybody else will agree. Let's go with that. All right, let's run with that. I don't want to look good, but maybe I can sound well, if it's horrible, then it just is what it is. And we apologize ahead of time. We are not professionals. We just do what we do. We're right. pseudo-professionals. And uh, if we keep doing this podcast thing, we're going to mess up and buy some better equipment. Well, then we'd be too much high-tech, and we don't ever want to come across that way. We do have potential to be some high-tech rednecks. I mean, we took a bunch of camera gear and stuff all year long well speaking of rednecks we just got back uh last week from louisiana with our buddy kenyon bankston from southern boys outdoors uh jay paul from swamp people and living life and our buddy bruce mitchell from swamp people we had a big time over there we did and uh we had what about three days of eating more than any grown man should uh, some wonderful steaks on that Traeger grill he had over there and some crawfish and some fried catfish and yeah, we, uh, man it was good I, 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 took some, I should have taken some blood pressure medicine with me just to have it uh, the way we were eating over there and, you know I'm not I don't eat a lot of fried foods a lot but when you're in Louisiana you gotta do as Louisianans do correct yeah, and I mean, we didn't eat fried food there but, what, one day? 
But uh, we ate some bowl food one day. We ate some grilled food one day. Every one of them was good. That's exactly right. So the point of that is food is good. <laughs> Especially in Louisiana because them boys know how to cook. <clears throat> no doubt. We, we got some live videos we shot on our Facebook page. If you want to hop over there, it's facebook.com slash backwoodslife. We got a live video of us uh, catching frogs. I say us. I use that liberally because me and you were involved, Kevin, but we had old Andy on the front of the boat doing the grabbing and also getting in the water and, and all that doing the grabbing while we just kind of sat back and watched. Well, it became pretty obvious real quick, like, that we wasn't going to be able to get King's big brother all the way up there where the frogs were at. And it wasn't any sense in all of us getting all muddy and stomping all through the swamp up there to get to the frogs. So uh, Andy was a volunteer. Well, he, he acted like he really wanted to do it, and he looked like he was right at home doing it. So we didn't want to deprive him of that opportunity to fulfill his you know purpose in life. Yeah, he, uh, he seemed like that was definitely his purpose, and he achieved that purpose more times than not. <laughs> Yeah, he had a big time. He was muddy and dirty and all that when he got through and, of course, complaining about everything, but we knew him well enough. He was having a ball. Well, the good thing is, I guess it gave him an opportunity to try out some of that lethal cooler cleaner on the boat, see how good of a boat cleaner it was, and it didn't work out pretty good. I, I promise you, that thing cleaned the front of the boat like a boss. Uh, well, it was almost, what, 18 hours or so later after... The mud was dried on and all that crap. So, you know, he was not only catching frogs for us, but then later on, because of all this frog catching, had to do some product display. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were maximizing the opportunity to get some good content for, for lethal products and, uh, and ourselves, of course. I know you shot a lot of video with a DSLR camera of us cooking, you know, crawfish and frying uh frog legs and catfish and, and I think we actually uh, refried boiled crawfish so that I don't know if anybody's ever done that but those are pretty good and we even deep fried sausage just to see what it was like yeah and uh, everybody on the Facebook feed was asking us to deep fry a honey bun but we never did get to that we uh, I think we obliterated the honey buns before they ever made it to the fryer so. I, I can honestly say I don't know if I ate a honey bun but I did see some that were represented there all in all, it was a great time, except for uh, those frogs. We went back a couple of nights later to try to get some more, and it was cold that night. So wasn't anybody planning to get in the water. But uh, Bruce came and took us in his boat, and he had a long net on a pole that made things a whole lot easier. Yeah, uh, Bruce pretty much knows what he's doing. Um with the exception of where stumps are located in rivers that he's not navigated a lot. I'll let you elaborate yeah, on we, that. Yeah, we, we, uh, we passed about 100 stumps that were all, I'd say, within the first 15 foot of the edge of the river. And we decided to pick up the pace a little bit to go to a spot Kenyon knew, you know, had some good frogs. So we wasn't just creeping anymore. We were moving a little better pace. And, uh, one big stump, probably about, what, three foot across, had decided it didn't want to stick to the norm, and it wanted to be out there in the middle of the room. And I'm going to say this was not like, uh, 
you know, a stump that you think of, oh, it's just a little stump sticking up out of wood. This was massive. Yeah, this was, uh, I couldn't wrap my arms around it, high stump. You tried, though. I did. That, uh, the boat hit the stump, and, uh, I don't know how fast we were going, but I know that once we hit the stump, we were going zero. Yeah, we, so we came to an immediate stop. It got really, really sketchy there for a second. Uh, I, I and, uh, I was. <laughs> Standing on the front deck whenever we hit that stump, and uh, the stump was what I landed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stump and the front of the boat broke Kevin's fall. I grabbed Kevin by the leg because all I could see him was him falling in the river, and thank God we didn't get that far away with it. I got lucky. I fell on a stack of life jackets. But you know, you asked me the other day when we were talking, did you find any bruises or anything anywhere? And I said I didn't. I found one yesterday. Uh, I noticed that right at the back of my ribs on the left must have collided with the side of the boat. I won't say I'm bruised or nothing like that, but it's dang sure sore out there, and that's about the only thing I can you know give credit to. It might be where Andy dominoed down there on top of you. Well, I mean, the good thing about Andy is he don't fall far, so he don't have a lot of velocity behind him, and he's got a lot of cushion. So it was more like well, just... A, a beanbag just fell on me, you know? Yeah, you did say that bruise was above your waist, so it probably, yeah, it probably wasn't handy. Yeah, he might have headbutted my ribs. That's about the best he could do. But, uh, yeah, my uh, my list of damage, when I got everything all checked out, was I had the uh, stump itself stuck in my left palm, probably about, um half an inch, maybe a little less. That one probably needed a couple stitches, but we wasn't really in a place to get any stitches. And a uh, piece of that stump jammed in my middle finger and uh, jammed that finger pretty good. It's still stiff. And my, I think I sprained my wrist. It's pretty sore. Just a wind, Kevin. Well, I, I uh, felt like I took it pretty good, but I'm still kicking bark out from my right thumbnail. I uh, thought that thumbnail was going to fall off. That's been pretty sore. And I found random bruises on my shoulder and my hip and I don't know where all else from landing on the boat and you tackling me. Oh, Lord. It could have been worse. <laughs> I could have just went and thrown you in the river. Well, that, uh, if you'd thrown me over the stump so I didn't land on it, I think I would have been better off because that stump wrecked my world there for a few days. So the moral of the story is stumps are not movable in a boat. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it could have been a lot worse than what it was. Um, so, Just yeah, you got to remember, remember too, Kevin, no frog is worth dying for. Well, I, I agree. Um, and then for a second, I was afraid we'd cross that line because uh, <laughs> that was pretty sketchy. Well, it, it was just a frog. It wasn't a big deal. Everybody made it. Yeah. We, walked, we walked away somewhat. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time regardless, but, uh, you know, despite, you got to have something to have a story about when you get through. That's the whole whole point, Kevin. Oh, we definitely got a story, and we have some scars, well, at least I'll have some scars to uh, remember the occasion. Yeah, you probably will, but I'm glad the rest of us don't, whatever that's worth. Uh, that makes and I think fun. that, I think Bruce's boat had a little scar on the front, too, because <clears> he said it ended up pretty good where he hit that stump. So. Well, I don't see why not. I mean, you're kidding. Oh, no, I mean, it was, it was a great trip for sure. It, uh, it could have been a whole lot worse, and I don't know that it could have got much better. 
Well, it could have got better, but I just ain't figured out how yet. We're still working on that. Our buddy, uh, we made some friends down there, Mr. Paul LeBlanc down there. At, uh, what's it with LeBlanc Skin and Shed? Yeah. Is his Facebook page. Uh, super nice guy. Probably one of the funniest dudes I've been around in a long time. And he, he caught a bunch of catfish, and we cooked those up and had a big time. And, uh, Tanya, uh, Kenyon's wife, and his daughter, Brandy, they, they came and hung out, hung out with us, made sure we had everything we needed for, for just hanging out. And, I mean, it was kind of nice. We, I don't, you know, I both don't get a lot of time just to sit around and relax, but it seemed like especially there in the evenings with everybody cooking, that was just a good time to sit around and, and chill out and, you know, I, I know we stay on our phones all the time dealing with business stuff and social media and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, in the big scheme of things, we, I think we had a good time, was able to relax a little bit, get a lot of content that we're going to be rolling out here, you know, as soon as we get a chance. That'll probably be some good uh, post-turkey season content, won't it? Yeah, I know. I, I know. We'll roll it out here after a little bit, but uh, we've got a lot of good stuff to together. I've been going through some episodes and assortment and uh, including some tips on if anybody, you know, is ever looking at boiling crawfish, Kenny's got a system that uh, makes things come out a little better than some others. You know, we, we were, during our live, I, I went back and I, we always read, read through as many comments as we can on all our social media stuff, so we encourage everybody to, you know, drop us a line, comment, send us a message. We, we'll get back to everybody pretty much as, as fast as we can. <clears throat> but I was reading through some of those comments, and somebody said, well, th those taste like mud. Well, now, you know, Kenyon's process will show you why some of them do taste like mud, because he boils them, takes them out, drains them, and boils them again. And if you saw the water after that first boil, you would you would know where the mud comes from. It's amazing the mud that came off of those crawfish and out of those crawfish and under those crawfish and toenails that was in that water after they boiled them the first eight minutes. Let's put it this way. If you just went out there and got you a big old solo cup full of Flint River, Georgia water and drank it, that's about what you'd be doing if you uh, ate crawfish out on that first bowl. So it really cleans them out and it just makes them taste so much better, which... Them boys down there now, they I think they invented crawfish cooking, so they got it pretty fine tuned and, and the seasoning. You know, Kenyon's got Southern boys real tree uh, seafood seasoning that they cook with, and that's that's some good stuff. Yeah, and they had it just right, and they even knew, you know, as far as how long to let it sit in the water and um, finish cooking, so that whenever you started eating them and peeling them, they they just the tails popped out of there so easy that you didn't have to work for it. So. That's exactly right. I mean, that's, and that's what, that's what makes eating crawfish fun because it's quick and you can eat as much as you can possibly hold even before they get cold. And, uh, <laughs> I got better before the, I quit that night, but, you know, I was a little slower starting off. A lot of them Cajun boys over there eating two or three crawfish to my one there for the first 15, 20 minutes. Well, I know how you are about your food, Kevin. It's probably hurting your feelings pretty good. Uh, them boys, I mean, shoot, they get one in each hand and get to popping themselves off and sucking them hands out there, and they get them all down faster than you can blink your eye. <laughs> That's right. Well, that was a fun trip. <clears throat> like I said at the beginning, we're, we're getting ready for turkey season. Um, a lot of questions we get uh, are, you know, what what is our turkey set up? What calls do we use? What guns? Um, so, uh, Kevin, you and I both will go through our rundown pretty quick of, 
you know, what I know, you know, we got a very similar setup, but we're different at the same time with different guns and stuff like that. But <clears throat> um, Saturday morning, I'm going to try my best to break the dust off of this 20 gauge I got. I bought it here locally here in Valdosta at T3 Outdoor from my buddy Judd there. Uh, got a big gun selection and a great place to go. I know you know Judd as well, Kevin. And, uh, oh, yeah. Just good people, so we try to support our local, you know, shops as much as we can uh, with everything we do, just like everybody should. Um, but anyway, I got this, uh, and I and, and so now Kevin, you correct me if I'm wrong, because the gun that I bought, I've heard a hundred different pronunciations of it, and it's made by Benelli, but I call it a Franchi, F R A N C H I. Other people say Franchi, yeah, Franchi, Franchi. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh... I've heard people call it Rossi Francie, but uh, you can, uh, I call it a Francie, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, it sounds, that sounds all official. Yeah, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. And if you look on the bottom of the gun, it says, made by Benelli. So I could just say I got a Benelli. Well, you do what you don't. No, I do. But anyway, that's what I got. I got, uh, <clears throat> we talked to, I say, we, you, you got with Mr. George Trulock over there in, in Wiggum, Georgia at Trulock Chokes that makes some, some fine products that we've been shooting for several years now uh, to get us set up with the right chokes for our, our setups. And I'm shooting that Federal Heavy 7 choke. Uh, unfortunately, I have not been able to find any of the TSS loads that everybody in the world uh, wants that nobody's got yet because they, they ran out. But, uh, I did get me some heavy sevens, heavy shot, and I'm gonna see what that does. I'm trying to not one in the face with that. I haven't got it dialed in yet because I hadn't had time to shoot the daggum thing, but I'm probably gonna do that today and get that ready. I'm gonna shoot it at 20 and 40 and see where I'm at, and I may even try to stretch it out to 50 to see what it does, but that combination is pretty slick. Uh, it's in the Realtree Max 5 camo, so I, I like that myself. I know that's more for waterfowl, but it blends right in in pretty much any environment <clears throat> and um that's gonna be my hunting rig what, what, what's yours kevin i was about to ask you about three talking about a little old pea shooter you took and uh you, you can call it what you want to but you want to let me shoot you with <laughs> but it. you don't want to stand in front of yeah, that's right you don't want to be on the business end of it yeah i am uh i'm talking a tri-star semi-automatic 12 gauge a Viper 12 gauge with a uh, pistol grip on it. It shoots a three inch magnum turkey load out of a George True Lock Longbeard XR uh, made for number sixes turkey choke. It's got a .655 constriction on it. And I, uh, I've been real happy with that choke. That's the same guy I hunted with last year. And, uh, it patterned terrific. I shot paper with about 50 yards and didn't have any problems. So, well, there you um, go. right the second, I got a Hawk crossbow scope sitting on it, but I've got a, uh, a Hawk reflex dot. They have a new, bigger version of that this year that uh, I'm probably going to put on there later this afternoon. Well, that sounds like a good combination to me, um, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just me. Whatever that's worth. Um, I will say, uh, I was talking with Justin Moore, our crew members. He's coming down to, to help film uh, this weekend for me. He was telling me about his 20-gauge setup with 
the TSS hand loads that he's running out of the true lock choke. And he was sending me some pictures the other night of, of patterns at 40 yards that were just unbelievable out of a 20 gauge. And then a 60 yard pattern that would definitely knock one in the dirt too. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what this thing will do, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, I don't think you'll have any trouble with it. I've also had a TriStar 20 gauge here that my dad shot a little bit last year. I shot heavy sevens out of it, and uh, it killed turkey, ain't no doubt. <clears throat> well, you know, we, we sit here and talk about shooting and having a 50, 60 yard gun when the reality of it, most of the time, we, we try to get them in there about 20, 30 yards and roll them up. Well, on occasion, we have been known to in there about 10 yards. Well, I mean, you know, since this is a podcast and we can quote Big Mike Lee as saying he likes to get them close enough to see their balls. Yeah, that, that's, that's his philosophy. We've had them pretty close, and I can't tell you that I've seen any of those. No, but, um, <laughs> if I have, I didn't know it anyway. Uh, I think they have, I think they got those heads a little bit. Well, but, but, uh, but we have got them in there yeah. at four or five steps and, and rocked them. Yeah, and we have had occasion where we had them in there at two steps and missed them at least once. Well, I mean, sometimes it's more you got to scare them in self-defense, and if you hit them, you hit them. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get hurt. That's right. But, yeah, that, that's – y'all just need to watch one of the episodes from 2017. Wow. You'll understand where we're coming yeah, from. Yeah, that uh, little Nebraska hunt. We uh, <laughs> that was a rough day. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you talked about that setup. Um, you know, one thing, yours is a brand-new gun, but mine has a little experience to it. And uh, one thing I did a couple weeks ago that I recommend everybody do before turkey season is, uh, and I did a lot of this before I put it in the gun safe, but I do it again just to make sure it's all perfect. So I take some of that lethal number one gun oil, make sure everything's cleaned up and, you know, to make sure the choke's got a little oil on it so it's getting out easy and ain't getting rusted up. And, um, I've got a 12-gauge bore snake that I like to run through the barrel because, you know, the cleaner that barrel is, the better that pattern's going to be. I'll tell you what that I do. That's a big difference. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, I got a cleaning kit with the, the rod style with the, with the uh, copper brush on the end. Uh -huh. I'll put that in my electric drill, and I'll run that up and down my shotgun barrel until that thing is pretty much polished. All that residue's gone. Like you said, I'll throw some number one gun oil on there, run it down, and I may even you know grab a, a deeper cleaning solvent sometimes for that hard to hard to get stuff. But I'll run that thing up and down that barrel, and I mean you you hold it up to the sun. I'm, I'm not saying hold your gun up to the sun, but the barrel, not detached from the gun. <laughs> and look down. Where you get a little bit of light shining yeah. in that barrel. Detach your barrel from your gun and clean it. Don't not clean it and make sure your gun's unloaded. That's your safety tip of the week. But uh, it'll, you'll look down that thing and you point it up through the sky and it'll be so bright it'll hurt your eyes. And that right there, my friend, like you said, will make that turkey pattern awesome. And uh, another thing, too, talking about patterning and how good guns are shooting. You know, a lot of people like to go out and shoot their gun, and I like to have some type of a aiming system on my turkey gun. Like I said, right now I've got a scope, but I'm going to change this reflex dot. 
And uh, I got a couple tips, too, for sighting in that stuff. Uh, one, you know, you go buy some targets at Walmart or whatever, or T3 Outdoors, and they're, you know, size of a big piece of paper. I like to swing by those, another store, like a dollar store or a craft store or something, pick up either some phone cord or some poster board or something, something that's big, and then whenever you tape your target onto that and shoot it, if your pattern is just a little bit off and shoot a little left, a little right, whatever, you'll be able to see it, whereas on that regular piece of paper, you can't see if, you know, 40% of your pattern's off the paper, you can't tell where it was at, you know? Right. And that, uh, get a big target like that, it really helps. And the other thing is, when I'm dialing in that red dot or scope or whatever, I grab a box of, uh, of a dove load, you know, just some very old two and three quarter inch that don't cost a bunch of money and ain't going to knock your arm off to uh, make my adjustments to start with. And once I get that thing dialed in close, then I switch to my turkey load. You know, a lot of people, as soon as they put a new scope on, they start shooting turkey loads and you might waste five shots before you get that thing dialed in where you want it to be. And when you're doing that, you're punishing your shoulder and your pocketbook when you've got to buy more turkey loads. Like you said, get some number sevens, number eight bird shot, get out there, and, and even at 20 yards, you can get your pattern dialed in, you know, with that, and then switch to your turkey load. Yeah, and I will even start pretty close, you know, like I'll, uh, I'll get up there 10, maybe 15 yards, and you can tell for sure where that center of that pattern is and uh, dial that where you're shooting the dot off of a piece of paper every time and then switch to my turkey loads and my shoulder is uh, much happier. Well, that and the, the thing you don't, people sometimes don't realize, you got to check your MOA on those dot scopes or, or regular scopes, whatever you're running on your turkey gun, because a lot of those are set at a quarter click at 100 yards. Now, uh, I, I'm not familiar. I hadn't uh, looked at the one like the new one you got there, Kevin. I don't know what the MOA is on that, but you got to do a little bit of math, too. A lot of people get frustrated because you start shooting those and you, you're cranking and cranking and cranking. It's not moving a lot, but it's because of the yardage. Yeah, I mean, as you're talking about stuff happening at fairly close ranges compared to a lot of, you know, your outfits and stuff, and, um, you might have to turn that thing quite a bit before you see a big adjustment. <clears throat> and, uh, I'd rather figure that out with a two and three quarter inch dove load than I had some of these expensive turkey shots. Right. I mean, you just think about the math right quick. At 100 yards is a quarter uh, per click. You know, that's, um, you got to multiply that by four clicks for an inch. So that's for 16 clicks at 15, I mean, I'm sorry, 25 yards just to get that thing to move an inch. Right. And like Michael said, you got to look at what you're dealing with because so some of your red dots, you know, they'll have a half MOA instead of a quarter, but still, you know, you slot cranks to move something five inches on a lot of your shotgun objects. So. You're right. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, I, I got scopes on mine and dots on mine and the halo type sites, uh, but I will still say, back to my roots, I do like just to put that bead on the end of that shotgun on that turkey neck and bust him up. I agree with that, but uh, I've seen a lot of folks just shooting a bead that when that turkey gets in there, they don't get to 
face down on that stock or they you know, keep their head up. <clears throat> and then they end up missing a turkey at 20 yards because they wasn't quite ready. And that's one thing I like about these reflex sights from uh, Hawk is that even if you ain't cheeking that stock real tight, you'll still hit where you're aiming with it if you put that red dot on it. Yeah, pretty much wherever that dot's at is where it's going to go. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the whole principle behind that. But it is a good habit to, to practice shooting and shoot as much as you can and, you know, know your gun, know your sight, know how to shoulder the gun. And like Kevin said, if you're shooting just down the rail on a bead, you know, make sure you do the same thing. You're cheeking, putting your cheek on that stock every time. And, I mean, sometimes it happens fast, and that's where you're, you're practicing and training, if you will, kicks in. You know, we've been doing this a long time. We still miss uh, but most of the most times when we miss it's because we misjudge yardage or you know trees are in the way you know fun stuff like that yeah and uh and because we got in a hurry or something like that you know same thing anybody else does we make them same mistakes too every year and that's the thing about turkey hunting or hunting in general you learn from your mistakes and you're that much better next time you go out there so uh, we, we've got we, should, we could write books, and I hate to write and I hate to read, so I'm not going to torture anybody with what we could put together, but it's a long list of mistakes. Yeah, I'll uh, talk about mistakes. I'll leave you with one more little tip before we end this thing. You know, distance is a problem that a lot of people end up having issues with out turkey hunting. And uh, a lot of times I have sat down in my decoys when I got looking there about 10 yards and you get a turkey in there at 10 yards, they're real easy to miss. I like to uh, pick my tree and we'll sit by and then I'll count 20 steps out there to put my decoys up and then come back. And then I know my decoys are 20 steps away from my setup and I also can easier judge where that 40 step mark would be, which is the line I want to make sure turkeys are inside of before I hammer down. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that. Um, that. That's when that hawk range finder does come in handy, though. If you've got time, you can sit there and, and you know, arrange a bush or a tree or a stump or weeds or, or whatever. So you've got your yardage kind of figured out when that turkey does come in. But uh, we've had hunts, too, where that gobbler comes in. He's coming in so slow and he's strutting in. You've actually got time to range the bird himself. Um, you know, just like if you were sitting there and a the deer comes feeding in or something. But that's, I would highly encourage what Kevin said, you know, know your distance of your decoys when you put them out, how far they are from you, but also carry a, a good range finder like, a, like we do with the Hawks to uh, get you out of a bind if you're ever sitting there because you and I both been in that fence where it's like, man, is he close enough? I don't know, is he 50 yards, is he 40 yards, or is he 60 yards? And you're trying to gauge that in. And when you're sitting down on the ground looking at a flat surface, it's really hard to figure that out sometimes. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times we stood up and uh, after we let a bird go because we didn't think he was close enough, and then you stood up, you know, and, and realized that, shoot, he was 35 yards and we thought he was 60, you know? Mm-hmm. No doubt. I had a bird last year when I was hunting with old Jeff Gossett. Jeff had killed one. I had another guy come in, and he kept hanging up. And I think closest he got was about 60, and I just wasn't comfortable with that shot. And I'm sitting here thinking, maybe, man, maybe he's looking closer. Maybe he's further. And I'm hitting with that range finder, and it kept saying, you know, 60, 62. I was like, well, I, I know not to even get my gun up right now, you know, and, and, or get yeah. it up, but don't take the shot, you know. just comes down There's to no guessing when you have a range finder in your hand. That's exactly right. Well, I know that was kind of uh, uh, brutal and to the point this week, but we're 30 minutes deep. Kevin's got to go. I got more stuff to do today. 
But uh, we appreciate everybody listening this week. We uh, didn't get out last week because of us traveling being gone, but we'll try to keep this thing going through turkey season, keep everybody updated on our travels and experiences and what's working for us. So we appreciate everybody listening. You know, check us out at backwoodslife.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Definitely watch us on YouTube, tons of videos. You can get, get everything you want to know about us out there on the Internet. Kevin, any closing thoughts? I sure hope this time next week when we're talking about this, I got some turkey to fry up from uh, this coming Saturday. I hope both of us do. So anyway, y'all getting out there. Good luck. Be safe. Always know what's on the other end of that gun. Y'all be good. Catch you on the flip side. See y'all. Up before morning, put the tires in the clay. Back to where the deer and the antelope play. Nothing between you and the wild, but the will to survive. But the law of the land, y'all Quick on the draw means a buck on the wall It's a turkey call with a southern draw The real boys will fall My playground is out in the woods Back in the sticks, this is my hood Waking up early with nature's hand in mine Finger on the trigger just to seal the deal If you don't get a mother nature wheel It's the thrill, it's the skill, it's the rush, it's the dust and grind Living the backwoods life Living the backwoods life Living full draw for everyone It's a special breed that gets the job done Clear mind, full heart and respect You give as good as you get Daddy taught me how to stay alive And give thanks to the Lord for all we got Just to seal the deal If you don't get a mother nature wheel It's the thrill, it's the skill It's the rush, it's the dust and grind Living the backwoods life Living the backwoods life Welcome to the backwoods You got the guts Let's go for the glory Load up the truck My playground is out in the woods Back in the sticks, this is my hood Waking up early with nature's hand in mine Finger on the trigger just to seal the deal Feel the chill, shoot to kill It's the thrill, it's the skill, it's the rush It's the dust and grind Living the backwoods life Living the backwoods life Living the backwoods life Living the backwoods